You're listening to Monster Riff Presents with your host, Monster Riff Editor, Pat Schober. And now, here's Pat. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Monster Riff Presents brought to you by MonsterRiff.com, the search for the ultimate riff. As always, I'm your host, Pat Schober, and with me today is Twin Wizard, the two-piece stoner rock doom band out of Savannah, Illinois, just outside of the Chicago area. How's it going, guys? Great, great. How you doing? Doing great. Great to have you here. It's been a long time trying to set up this one interview, but I'm excited to, to be hanging out with you today. So I'm just going to ask to do this really quick just for our listeners so they can discern one voice from the other. We've got Anthony Dreyer on the drums. Anthony, can you just say hi so people can get a feel for your voice? Hey, guys. How are we doing? Awesome. And we got Matt Larson on guitar and vocals. I'm Larson. You guys are, are pretty freshly, at least like a month ago, off of uh, another tour, right? Yeah, correct. You were, you were traveling all over all over the country there. How did that go? Great. Awesome. Uh, did some shows with our friends in Iwas from Arizona. Another awesome heavy doom band. We do like five five dates with them. Midwest. Yeah. It was a nice quick one. It was mm-hmm. shorter than the, the trip around the south, but definitely just as fun for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah AWAS boy, real cool. Yeah. AWAS or IWAS does a, a phenomenal live show. Um Blake has been a, a friend of Monster Rift for a long time. And then he had the, the full band behind him. And that was my first time seeing them live and I was I was blown away. Oh yeah, absolutely. I haven't had the pleasure of, of seeing you guys live yet, but you're a two-piece. How, how do you pull off the sound? Multiple amps, big drums, turn them up. Pedals. Pedals. Lots of hair. You know. Just trying to write in a way that really, you know, challenges us and, you know, is, is thinking outside the box and is always pushing our abilities to give, give the listener more. Do you, do you have to make any concessions when you play live versus on the album? Um, I, I didn't, I didn't listen to the album with this in mind, but is it just primarily one guitar on, on every song on the album? Well, on the album, you filled it out though. You, you throw on some bass lines in there, um, to get a thicker tone live. I mean, a lot of that's worked into the sound of the guitar. A lot of times we're playing with lower octave pedals. Uh, we are running out of a bass rig aside from the two guitar amps, mm-hmm. um, which allows us to really, uh, get those meaty notes to to sound as, as heavy as possible. And the, the guitar is just tuned very low, basically as low as a standard tuned bass guitar anyway. So we're, we're kind of just trying to fill the entire spectrum with one instrument and vocals on top of that. So, Anthony, we had talked about this very briefly through text mm-hmm. as we were setting this up, but, uh, you know, Local H, another Chicago band, pulls that off very well as as a two-piece although they're not they're not playing as heavily as you they're still like in that alt-rock grunge phase but Mm -hmm. um if you've ever seen them live they have an electrifying live show and they're phenomenal and same same deal it's just like huge drums huge guitars and it's a huge show even though it's just two dudes definitely you gotta turn it up (laughs) yeah yeah really play louder yeah, I mean, we're lucky enough to, you know, in this day and age, there's just a lot more uh, precedence been set for two-piece rockers. I mean, White Stripes, we're doing it. But like you said, Local H, I mean, you know, that's stuff that was around when I was growing up, really getting into music in the first place. So it's just, there's always been heroes in that realm. And it, it's, it's you know, it is a challenge and it's it's very satisfying to be able to create such a massively god-awful amount of sound with just two people. 
you know, you feel a little pat yourself on the back for it, you know? (laughs) Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like there definitely is precedent and bands like the black keys and and the white stripes not only made it possible, but they also made it cool. Yeah. There was was so much swagger behind it too. So that was like, Oh yeah, I can make an intentional decision to have a two piece band Mm -hmm. and that'll be cool. But I, I mean, I, I, you do guys, you guys do get props for pulling it off. I mean, I can only name a handful of two piece bands uh, in this scene. So sure. sure. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate sure. it. Let's, let's dig in a little bit to glacial gods because that was originally put out in 2020, right? Was it 19 or was it 20? It might've been 19. It was like, it was right around pandemic pandemic right? time. Time gets fuzzy right when that pandemic started. Right when happens. it was uh, released, the pandemic hit like the week of or the week after. It was like, that's when things were officially like yeah being shut down and whatnot and it was kind of like oh we're gonna play shows oh no we're not gonna play shows and everything changed that was the when the moment we knew it, it was all changing so yeah the record we i recorded it in uh iowa in rural iowa at a place lone tree yeah lone tree iowa it's um south of iowa city at a place called flat black studios luke tweedy man the master himself and he sure. built a he built a studio inside of a corn crib actually because you know all the records I've pretty much made my whole life have recorded inside of barns or corn cribs you know in Iowa. Well, quick quick time out. What is a, a corn crib? To my knowledge, a corn crib is just a place where they I think dry the corn. It's like it looks like a barn, but maybe a half the size about of a barn. Okay. I think there's different types of corn cribs, but this one looks like a smaller traditional kind of barn with a I think they call it a cupola or something on top. So, okay, it's it's gorgeous, man. Stark black against the uh, the Iowa landscape. It sticks out like a sore thumb in the best of ways, you know. That's cool. Definitely, yeah. Recording with Luke is a treat. Um, it's he he always jokes about it being the rural recording resort. <laughs> that's definitely part of it. You can crash out there, you know, and it's great. And he does festivals out there from time to time, and he's always, you know, nothing but hospitable. That's Very awesome. Welcome. Very cool. Does he get a big draw out there for like the the Stoner Doom scene for festivals? Well, when he does it, he kind of he'll he'll mostly do the bands the year that he recorded them or the year before. Yeah. So he'll kind of bring just all sorts of different acts. Is there songwriter? Pretty uh, huge mm-hmm. swing. You get a lot. You get some noise rock bands coming in there. Some experimental. He's got some old school Iowa blues guys who recorded out there. Catfish Keith will play, and then like Dead Rider will come in and in oh, the yeah. evening, which is a Chicago band that he used to play with back in the day. That's like way out there and can get heavy and and just crazy time signatures and all kinds of cool shit. You know, we played was it two years ago? Was a year before this year? Yeah, that was our first show, really. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. That was like our first actual show in front of people and. That was great. It just felt like everybody on that show, it was just so much talent. Um, you know, it was like a treat for a drummer too to watch because it seemed like every drummer that night was just like fascinating to watch. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and that that original album was done with with Brad of, of Droids Attack, right? Yep, correct. And uh so that that initial album, I mean, he has such a, a low voice. Very, very, very bass heavy, very distinctive. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the decision to sort of redo that album and what that experience was like remaking it with, with a completely. I mean, Matt, your, your vocals are so much different. Yeah, we were we were of two minds about, you know, just 
getting more pressed and going out with that. Um, cause as soon as we started meeting, you know, and we just, our styles are, are, are different and we started writing new things together. And there's, you know, that's always a fascinating pro- process and you don't really necessarily want to go back and touch the old stuff, but you know, it's, it was, we, I was having so much fun playing the stuff. I mean, when he first hit me up, you know, I learned all the songs came in, started jam with him was like, yeah, this, this could definitely work. And, and realizing that, you know, going forward, we wanted to start playing shows and we had this really nice body of work. We just thought, you know, it, it's really, it's worth it to put in the time and to just, you know, put my stamp on it and get, get it out there. Cause you know, we didn't, you didn't really get to give it a fair crack, you know, no. cause you didn't get to tour <laughs> with it. You didn't get to play any live shows with it. I mean, people were still out there buying it, which I, you know, I love that about the online metal community. It's so to, cool. Like, the third pressing of it. And we hadn't mm-hmm. even really played a show yet. Like, yeah, which is why it's, it's like, uh, it was, it, to me, it felt necessary. Partially what you touched upon with, the voices being so unique and different that like it, it seemed like I had to do it justice by having him on a vinyl. Mm-hmm. Cause mm-hmm. I think when people hear it live, you want right. to be able to kind of sell them what they're hearing. I don't, you know, if someone sees you live and buys a record and they hear a completely different voice, like mm-hmm. I think Brad's voice is awesome. Just as yeah, much as I for think. Sure. Oh yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And Joy's attack. They kick ass for sure. They're an amazing band. And the, I mean, they're stoner thrash legends. <laughs> that I always looked up to growing up in the scene. So it was cool to do something with mm-hmm. Brad. It was a great, um, great experience to work with him. And I think it's, you know, even a greater experience to do it a second time. And, you know, it was, it was kind of like, oh yeah, we have to do all these things over though. It's like, you know, you have to go to the studio, you know, remix everything, which was kind of a cool opportunity to, to like touch upon some different things. Um, I know we redid some like throat singing vocals yeah where he actually he was the one that that's how we met yeah we met when him and a when he was still doing telekinetic yeti when they're doing abominable um i got the call from luke saying that these guys want to do some throat singing on the on the record and he i'd experimented on some other uh, records that i did with him back when i was doing more more proggy stuff and uh you know called me in and yeah just laid it down briefly met these guys dipped out and then all of a sudden i get a call back you know a couple years later like oh you know maybe maybe anthony (laughs) needs a a vocalist here you know you want to you want to hook up with him? I'm, like, yeah. I'm surprised you never hit us up for royalties. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, I think we gave him twenty bucks or something yeah. at the time. <laughs> Maybe gave him a beer or something. Yeah, twenty bucks in the case of beer. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what was what was that experience like? Going back to cover an album that already existed by a band that still existed because, like, normally, nor- I just feel like it's it's not a cover album it's still the same band. So like, was, was that kind of weird or intimidating for you to kind of like reinvent something that had already been really well received mm. and, and a voice that was distinctly different from yours? Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, was it weird? I mean, yeah, like I said, we were definitely of two minds about doing it in the first place, but you know, I, once we got into the groove and we were able to start rehearsing, you know, more frequently and, and this, the music becomes natural and you, you kind of stop hearing the the old vocalist and you start hearing your own mm-hmm. um, sort of intuitive uh, inflections and, and, and slightly different vocal runs and stuff like that. And it starts feeling like it's more part of yourself. And then it stops feeling unnatural. Um, yeah. it, it's, you know, it, at, at some point you just, you become that music. And at this point we're just, we're fully in it, you know, for sure. It's, it's ingrained and, I'm I'm so happy we went back and did it. 
it was yeah. weird for me at first, especially being so used to hearing one style and just personality on it, and then going to that. Mm-hmm. But then eventually it became weird to hear it the old way, where it's like sometimes people will share a song and it's like, well, then the vocals hit. And you're like, oh, wait, this is the old version. Like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, it always yeah. kind of tricked me out. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think both are cool. Brad made a lot of great contributions to it. And I think on Smoke Wizard, he kind of rewrote the, the chorus to it, made it real catchy, I felt mm-hmm. like. So yeah, it was neat to see. And then the other two, just like recording it, it was neat to see, you know, the song transform even more with him taking it because, you know, doing different runs or, you know, vocally he did different inflections here and there. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool to see the song grow in a different way. Like, I think it, what he did on it fits super great. Like, I think it's like the voice for the band I felt since I've heard it. So, yeah, I, I remember being a little hesitant at first because I, I was so familiar with, with, brad's version of everything right and right when i when i heard the purple i was like oh <laughs> didn't expect that to be that different but it, it's really cool so like props yeah. to you for, for pulling it off so well thank you i appreciate that for sure but yeah i mean it speaks to the power of of vocals and how much they resonate with listener you know yeah. just hearing anybody cover a song that you you've heard done you know by so many different artists everyone feels like a completely new interpretation even if even if the backing stuff is essentially the same or even if it is the same is you know to me that's the number one thing that grabs me when i listen to a band is 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 the voice and the tone of it you know yeah for sure so there is a sort of fascinate fascination with uh the yeti throughout the song tracks you can kind of go through uh-huh. and, and the set like that and that's that's not unusual in this scene like sasquatch had a song called the yeti off of their first record and they're called sasquatch and human civilization every human civilization has some version of some hairy ape-like creature that walks on two feet kind of destroys things in the wilderness um for for you specifically like what what is the fascination with with the yeti and his consistent reappearance in songs i guess it's a fashion (laughs) so some people get abducted by aliens i guess i got abducted by sasquatches and this is how they left me i <laughs> i just have to try to uh touch light upon them but yeah it, you know it was coming from where i came from i think it was kind of a continuation of what i was doing in the other band with yeti mm-hmm. um and it was getting those ideas out you know after working on songs for three four years you know you put so much of your life into it and we uh I just felt like I had to do those songs and give them, you know, my version, essentially. There, there are so many really incredible folklore stories about, about the Yeti, like running around in the hills. Do mm-hmm. you have, like, have you come across any of your, like, own favorite stories as, as you kind of done research over the years? I remember the only thing that I've really experienced is an, an orb once, but that's not quite that's not quite Bigfoot or Yeti, but mm-hmm. I experienced an orb shooting across a field once, which I don't have an explanation for. Mm. That was, that was an interesting, I think I was around 18 at the time. You saw it with your I, naked eye? Yeah. I was driving home. I think I was dropping off an ex-girlfriend or something when I was 18 and I was driving home and, uh, you know, on our road, it's a rural country road. You know, you got fields on both sides of you and for maybe five, 10 seconds, there was a moment where there was a floating light outside my vehicle. Hmm. And, you know, you see stuff like that, your brain kind of thinks like, did that really happen? Like, but, and then it shot out 
over the field. And that was, that was maybe my only paranormal experience. Was I sleeping? Was I going into a, a part of sleep? I don't know, but I don't really have an explanation for it. The, the U.S. government has been a lot more transparent about their UFO sightings as of late. So maybe, maybe it was a UFO. It could have been. I'll have to dig into it. Try Damn. to find. <laughs> Damn, Mulder and Scully was right. You know, <laughs> <first>. <laughs> Matt, what is, uh, what is your supernatural experience has been? Man, unfortunately, I haven't seen anything that cool, you know? I just I just like reading myths. I like reading sci-fi. I like all that kind of stuff, man. Definitely fascinated by it, but never got to see anything like that up cl- close, you know? I was a city boy till uh, recently, so but maybe now that I'm settled out in the country, you know, maybe I'll get some more opportunities. It's a lot darker out there. It's a lot more <laughs> out in fields. It does get dark out there, yeah. Out in like the Pittsburgh area, like everything is 300 years old. Everything has been established here just yeah. forever. And oh. so there, there's a lot of like the, the paranormal community is pretty active. And by extension of that, the other like supernatural communities are pretty active as well. And there is a, um, I forget what they call it. There's some sort of like haunters event every year at a local former asylum that's supposed to be haunted and they could do like ghost tours and stuff. But there's always at least one Sasquatch expert who comes out with like all of his wares and his books and his evidence and we'll do like half hour lectures on, on Sasquatch and like why he's real and like what he's been up to and stuff. It's, it's always really fascinating. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, here we have Cornfoot, I think. I've heard stories about Cornfoot. <laughs> sure. Is that, is that the, what does he do? Does he go around and just like steal corn and stomp through the fields? Yeah, he throws corn stalks and he, he creates crop circles and, you know, he does all that great stuff. I mean, it's he, he's interdimensional, you know, he's, He's cornfoot. That interdimensional is pretty wild, um, <clears throat> scripter. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Uh, what? What's what's next for for you guys? I know you, you put out purple. That was really well received. And now uh, I know you're kind of lining up some future tours. Yes, um, we got a few. Actually, there's a, a pretty cool date coming up that hasn't been announced yet. That we will announce soon. A Dubuque date we're looking at, and then. Well, we, we got, got the, uh, Iron Invasion, little classic car, hot roddy, uh, motorcycle show thing. That's going to be fun. But really, we yeah, we're moving towards a few three to four weeks uh, out to the West Coast mm-hmm. in a yeah late January, early February. That's going to be the big the big next move. Trying to get all all that lined up. It feels like we're due for a lot of shows since it feels like we're making up for lost time. Yeah, I feel like it's just. Just got to get out there, beat our chest, scream, stomp around, do whatever we can, make some noise, make people pay attention. But yeah, feels good to be out when we are, for sure. The good side of it, too, is we've had a lot more time to write. So, I mean, it's almost to the point now where we're playing more new songs in the set than stuff off the record. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. I mean, we're at a point where kind of picking or you know we're writing more songs than we need for a record and just going to pick the ones we like the most so it's a good place to be in you know better to have too much material for sure and just cream it a crop it all the way mm-hmm. you know how it rises to the top you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a creamer well, I, I i got no creamer man i can't oh, macho man it right <laughs> what does the new music sound like compared to glacial gods mm. I think each song is kind of its own journey you know like every song is a puzzle we all have to kind of figure it out um 
I just longer. have a little more my my influences. Yeah, I'm not good at writing short songs. That's the, that's the problem. I'll, I'll own up to that right now. He's definitely brought an even more proggy element to. It. I mean, there's still songs that I feel like are you know your more standard setup, but they feel more like sagas than than mm. tales from beyond. You know, I think I think he's brought a extended cut version to some songs, which is cool. You know, and sometimes they just develop that way. Like as you yeah. write with anybody, you kind of learn uh different there's a, there's a little more sass in it i'd say you know there's a little bit of blues in it that wasn't maybe present in the first stuff sure you know i mean the last two guys you worked with blues rock and stuff wasn't really in their um their main influences so sure. you know i think definitely some of that you know obsession with listening to robin trower and stuff like that over the years uh, is rubbing off on the the music you know and it, it still gets heavy it just it takes it to a slightly different point. You know, I don't, I don't tend to to gravitate towards as guttural a vocal style, which is not to say anything about that. It's just not what feels as natural. Although the more I play with Tony, the heavier my vocal style keeps uh, working its way towards. So it's, yeah, it's been cool. It's been cool, but trying to do everything we can, you know, write some motorhead fast riffs, working some finger picking stuff when I can I always love doing a little bit of that, you know, and then just trying to trying to keep songs ending as heavy as possible, you know, you know, like some great God stomping along the earth, you know, just shaking the the firmament, man, cracking the cracking the ground below us. That's the kind of shit you wanna you wanna leave the stage, you know. You want everyone to just be like as out of breath as you are, you know. Well, we got the Mad Max style songs, yeah. You know, your desert warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot, lot more, lot more, you know, cars and and, and motorcycles and, and dealings with the devil right now and some of the, the more recent stuff we've been writing. And then there's the songs that are the sagas that are the more the, the magical. Uh, yeah, we're still writing some wizard stuff. There's the still wizard, the wizard and D influenced, yeah. you know, piece in there for <laughs> sure. So there's, you know, he was even joking. He's like, man, it almost feels like two halves mm-hmm. of a record where there's like songs that feel a certain way and there's songs that feel another way but they all mm-hmm. i think they all balance each other out really well and i think there's more of a human element too like i've never been in a band where i feel like the vocals had really their balance in place you know where like it feels like with him i really want to bring that human element out more in mm. as much as possible i think so i think that's a cool which is is tough. It's a it's a genre of music that doesn't always cater to vocalists. Um, and some of that's just amps are loud, and and a lot of a lot of bars don't have PA's that can keep up with the rigs people are running these days. I mean, the guitar sounds great, and you can't complain about that. But often, if the guitar is so loud, the PA just can't can't keep up, can't pop you out in front of stuff. Unfortunately, right. And a lot of a lot of bands in this space prioritize guitar over everything yeah. else and so the vocalist is really just there as another instrument for for melody right for sure it. sure do you do you have any sort of date lined up for when we might see the next record i gotta get a date with luke first <laughs> at the studio yeah we're uh i'm just trying to get as much since we re-released this i felt like it bought us a little time to kind of play on it more yeah um we got the stuff, but it's like, you know, you don't want to rush into it. You want to let things, you know, sort of hang and develop and, and settle a little bit, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun sometimes to get into a studio when things are fresh, but oftentimes, especially if you get to road test things for a while, 
you know, things will settle into a slightly different direction. You really get, get that energy thrown back in the crowd and you really understand, you know, where the strong points in a composition are um, just from observing how people react to it. And it lets you sort of let things coalesce into its, its prime form. And I'm really, really enjoying that process right now. So no hurry, no hurry, but I mean, I love recording in the winter for some reason, every mm-hmm. record I've done, I feel like it's been in the winter. There's something I just really enjoy about that, but I feel like we're going to be playing. It's going to get to a point where we're going to be only playing so many of these new songs, mm-hmm. you know, cause you know, as you write, you kind of just want to play the songs you enjoy the most or that you feel like get the best reception. And I feel like a lot of the new stuff we're writing right. has been that way. So well, that's a whole different thing with this, definitely more so with this band and with other bands I've been in, whereas we've, we've been writing a lot of stuff and you, you'll just, you'll hit upon something. You'll go, well, that's, that has to be on stage. We need to put that out in front of people. And you, sometimes you get songs, you're like, man, that is a really, that's amazing piece. The journey is there. The high points are really high. You know, it, it, it goes these insane places, but you're like, it just doesn't quite feel like the kind of thing that's going to add to the show right now with everything else. So, you know, maybe we just end up with a lot more studio songs than I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Um, not that we couldn't play any of those ones live. It's just the other ones feel like they needed, like they called out to be driven out in front of people. You know, you, you had to put them in people's ears right away. You mm-hmm. couldn't wait. So I guess, yeah, I'll have to talk to Luke. I'll have to figure out a good time to get in there. Cause you, you never really want to book it when you're ready. You want to book it ahead of time and mm-hmm. know that you'll be ready by that time. So, mm-hmm. sure. but yeah, I, I want to just enjoy, I think for now, just enjoy being on the road. You know, that's just what feels really good to me right now. Like, being back on stages and being on the road just gotta the whole, work man the whole environment feels amazing and reinvigorating to be back in so well it's great to hear that all of the new songs are being battle hardened because i as like a fan of music i always hate when i hear like a band went into the studio like out anything written or maybe just with like a few ideas because then as like, sure. a fan i'm like okay they, they're gonna bang this all out in like two weeks i don't know if that's a record i want to get excited about right right but, but if but if you're like yeah you know for the last six months we've been like ironing out these songs and like people have been going nuts for them. Like, i'm very excited to to hear that definitely yeah that's seems to be a good concoction that we got for that so yeah as you as you kind of look forward to your your west coast show what are you most looking forward to out there? Because I, I mean, before we started recording, we talked about your Waffle House experiences and how much how much they loved your hat, which we can we can hash out for people listening again. But looking sure. at uh, looking at West Coast, what are you, what are you most excited about? Uh, desert. I want to be back in the desert. I love the biome. Uh, obviously, Portland, Seattle. It's been too long since I've been there. Those are great places. Denver. Um, it's another city that has an amazing scene mm-hmm. that I really want to play a show there um being back on the coast will be cool i mean i always try to like with all these tours it's like you try to book in off days and hopefully maybe on mondays you can go to something interesting or cool like i remember like booking in like okay let's go hang out at the redwoods or something like i know we might be at the redwoods at someone's birthday so like that would be cool or you know because mm-hmm. then we're, we're gonna get a sighting there of something I'm I'm more mundane, man. Around. I'm I'm omnivore <laughs> in the truest sense. You know, if I haven't eaten it, I need to eat it. You know, at least ten times to know what the deal is with it. So I'm I'm on the lookout for. I want to see. You know, I like watching 
how the fast food chains switch over time. And I'm curious to see how that, that continues off well, you'll the have coast. To, you'll have to try In-N-Out. Never had an In-N-Out, so you know. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. In-N-Out and like Del Taco. Del Taco, yeah. Another one. Love me some tacos. Another got Jack in the Box. We mm. don't have those here. Um, trying to think what else. Remember, oh, I lived when I lived in Salt Lake City, there was always Cafe Rio and Costa Vida. And I, I blame them for like gaining like 15 pounds. Like, <laughs> and I'm just like, I've never lost it since then. <laughs> what, what is your tour routine look like? And I, I always ask this because like, I'm, I'm fascinated by the road, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever talked to anybody who's like, been like, hey, the road, the road's great. Everyone's just like, yeah, that sucks. And it, it's absolutely <laughs> garbage and it's terrible. Um, I had, I had, um, a great interview with like Fireball Ministry once where they were talking about how when you're on tour, sometimes you never know when you're going to have your next meal. And so when they were talking about how like whenever there was an opportunity to get food or like store food away, they would take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And they had done a really corporate show for some sort of like fancy watch company. And it was like kind of low key. It was just like all of like the execs and they had done the show. And afterwards, they were like getting ready to leave. And there was like this big basket, like rolls, bread rolls on the table. And I forget which band member it was, but he grabbed a bunch of them and like stuffed them in his pockets because he was like, you know, (laughs) going to like store those away for later. Well, as they're like on the way out the door, all of these execs were like, hey, come up to like the rooftop bar and like hang out with us for a little bit. We want to have some drinks. So for like six hours, he's like drinking with all these really powerful businessmen and has like rolls flowing out of his pockets. <laughs> Just like that. Yeah. Like a puppy, like, yup. yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, that's great. Talk to me about like, what does your routine look like on the road? How do you stay? How do you stay fresh? Because I know it can be exhausting, man, man. We just, you know. Just like last time, we're gonna roll down to Texas. We're gonna hit that Bucky's. You know, we're gonna get all the all the sweet and smokes things we can, and just just gorge ourselves on calories, and then boom, we're just gonna fly all the way through the rest of the tour. No, I mean, I remember <laughs> once upon a time we used to get muscle milk. Not in this band, but an old band. Mm. It was like we'd just straight up like drink muscle milks at the load in or something. Like just mm. get a bunch of protein, you know, like because as much as you're loading and playing, and you know, lack of sleep, and if you're mm. drinking partying and yeah all these things like they you know they, they stack after a while i think so <laughs> it's like whenever you can make like a conscious effort to like do something good for your body it's like you do it so. truth <laughs> be told i i eat pretty damn healthy um my contribution to the band is is just insisting that we have a tupperware just a big old big old tote that i can just we'll hit all these i'll get nuts i'll get some veggies stuff that i can munch on and every few days i'll just refill with something else um stay hydrated you know before we play it's all it's all pretty much health food focused. If I'm going to eat something nice and fried, if I'm going to get in and out burger, that's like my late breakfast at like noon or something, you know, but, mm-hmm. but in the nighttime it's, it's clean, you know, and a couple beers on stage. Cause you know, I mean, you gotta have a beer, man. That's just, that's, that's a treat. I'm not trying to live without right now. You know? <laughs> well, like my pre-show ritual became like a banana about halfway through the band, the band before mm-hmm. set, I'll usually eat a banana and a orange. And then it's like, at some point, it's just like, I just can't, you know, when the tour gets so long, it's like, I just get so damn sick of bananas. It's like, <laughs> we, we can, you know, it's also about, you know, like, uh, just adjusting your schedule, man. It's like coming off, you know, when we first met, I was working construction, you know, getting up early, doing stuff like that. Used to work, you know, before and after school programs and things like that. And all of a sudden, 
you're on the road and everything is, is pushed back a few hours. So, I mean, my big thing is no caffeine until five o'clock at night. And I, I take a big nap midday, you know, so like my brain is as fresh as it can be when I'm on stage and I can really focus on, on the experience. So I think if the drive time isn't too bad, it's pretty easy. You know, we'll check into a hotel early if they let us and yeah, catch a nap know, there. Can, try to get a nap. I mean, I feel like I never can because I'm always so wired and excited on tour. But I'm lucky. I can just sleep. If I'm not driving, I can get in the back and take a nap at any given moment. So it's really not a problem. If I haven't had my morning coffee, which like I said, I don't drink till 5 p.m., I can nap pretty much at the drop of a hat anywhere. So not a problem for me, thankfully. I envy you for that. I, I've never been good at naps, even as a kid. I was just bad at it. As an adult, yeah, I really wish I could take a nap sometimes. I got into a few years back um, when I didn't have as much time, even if I was just zonked out, you know, sometimes just midway through the day or somewhere, if I'm working on the house right now um, and I'm just doing a really think heavy day and you just, you, you're gone. Even if you can't conk out, just hitting, hitting a coffee real quick and closing your eyes for 15 minutes, just having your eyes closed and like taking out the extra stimulation for a minute um i find we'll switch you back on even if i don't have coffee even if i just close my eyes for 15 20 minutes i could be fully awake the whole time when i get up it's like a world difference night and day for sure that's actually a i don't know if there's a name for it but that is actually a strategy i've seen proposed in the before where um it takes about like 20 to 30 minutes for caffeine to kick in anyway so Mm -hmm. you're supposed to like chug a, a cup of coffee immediately go to sleep as fast as possible and then just like take that 20 minute nap and then when you wake up you'll be refreshed from the nap and you'll have that caffeine spike oh yeah which seems like a great deal oh it's beautiful back back to uh we were talking west coast let's talk your your, we'll call it your waffle house tour because you had your your first waffle house and they they (laughs) they loved you down there we had yeah we had them going we had some good waffle house good place beautiful people I, I mean, we didn't do a Waffle House show, though. I mean, I, I'll occasionally oh see people God. playing at a Waffle House. It's like, Waffle House, how do you your guys... people call my have you, have you seen that um, every, every like, six months, this video is, like, 10 years old, and every six months it resurfaces, but that old metal show at the Denny's where those kids are just yeah. going nuts, have you seen that? Uh-huh. It's beautiful, <laughs> and you guys should, should do that for uh, Twin Wizard. <laughs> We'll we'll do it with waffles. We'll have we'll just give everybody waffles and just you know. Go You'll be out. signing waffles at, at the yeah. doors before are going out. But you you have a a great a great waffle house hat, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, where is it? it? Says Denny's sucks, it's and a, it's, it's in a, the waffle house format for sure. Like they love <laughs> the, the boxes. Philip Phil Phil Shive. He was a tour manager for one of the tours with Yeti, and he uh, he created that hat. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so you got to, I think, what is the name? Fashionable Death, I think, or something like that is the name of his company. I don't know if he's got him on there, but if he does, shout out to that. As as we kind of wrap up here, what else is on the horizon? And what can people, where can people go to learn more about you guys? Well, we got I mean, West on, Coast stuff yeah. coming up. Lots of new songs. Can always, I mean, check out our music videos. What what else? I mean, we're at, we're on all the standard sites right now Bandcamp is is a good place and and, you know give us a like on facebook but yeah check us out on the youtube get some plays on that for us for sure my buddy uh mike helped us film our smoke wizard video which was a ton of fun we did it out in the uh 
and actually my wife's uh, parents barn. Um, so that was a cool, cool, sweaty experience. Cause there's definitely no AC and we did it midsummer, like a bunch of goobers, but you know, it was, it was so much fun. And yeah, you definitely check that out. If you haven't seen it, we edited that. So it's super sweet, you know, super amazing. All the details are perfect. Cause this guy is a details man and he made sure that I went back in there and edited and edited and re-edited and re-re-edited and we got it. Yeah. It's not done until you you just can't look at it anymore. That's when you know something is officially, you know, a song, video, whatever. All right. <laughs> you want to watch it again, Anthony? Yeah. Watch it! Edit it! Change this! <laughs> Keep an eye out for dates. Uh, we're going to be hitting the road as much as possible. We're going to have to come out by you too. We have to come out east. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. If you get to Pittsburgh, let me know. I'm going to grab a beer. Definitely. I love that. You have a a third member in the room who's just made their voice heard. Do you want to introduce the dog as well before we part? The dog? That dog's pretty rogue. It's probably running all over the place. I don't know. (laughs) 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 All good. Well, thanks so much for hopping on the show today, guys. Of course. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much.